Welcome to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. I'm your host, Sue Taylor, and I am the Program Manager of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Student Experience at the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre, located in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. This podcast was developed to highlight women who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments, women who are leaders, and women who serve to inspire and act as role models and mentors to young women, which we like to refer to as STEM champions. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Math, and has most recently included Entrepreneurship and Manufacturing. Our goal is to support and foster these women and show that then they can accomplish all they set out to achieve and then some. Stay tuned to learn more about women working in STEM, their journeys, their challenges, their accomplishments, and so much more. This is the Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. Tonight's STEM Speaker Series guest is Windsor born and raised, and with what I like to think is one of the coolest jobs we've hosted so far. So please welcome Air Canada pilot, Laura Cayley. Good evening, Laura, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Sue. How you doing? Thank you. I'm really good. Thank you for inviting me to uh, speak at your event. So let's just get started. And, you know, we always kind of start with the, you know, the tell us about yourself questions. So, um, you know, you can talk about where you grew up, uh, schools you attended. So I know you're a Windsor girl. So uh, a lot of the uh, people listening today are from here. And uh, how long you've been with Air Canada, places you've worked, kids, family life, anything like that? Okay, um, that's an easy start. I grew up in Riverside and attended FJ Brennan High School. Uh, The last couple of years of high school, I lived in Tecumseh and uh, finished um, F.J. Brennan in 1994. And uh, my post-secondary school was uh, Seneca College of Applied Arts and Technology in North York. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a three-year program at the time for aviation and flight technology. So that's where I, I was uh, doing all my flying training was through that program. So it had an academic component and then also the flying training Um, as part of it too. Uh, When I finished Seneca in my last semester, I was working on my instructor rating Mm -hmm. in Lindsay, Ontario. So that was uh, a bit of a drive from North York to Lindsay, but I would, I would finish off my flying training and my, my classes for the day. And then I drive out to Lindsay and work on my instructor rating. And um, by doing that sort of getting ahead of the game, Mm -hmm. I was, uh, um, given an opportunity and offered employment right after my graduation. Actually, I was working before I even graduated wow. um, Seneca. So that was uh, that was my first job was a, as a flight instructor in Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that summer was really um, exciting for me. I had um, the air cadet contract was part of our, our flying school. And uh, three of my students who I trained were air cadet um, students. And of that group, there were if I remember correctly, three uh, females in the group of about 30 um, air cadets that were training um, that summer. So that was that was exciting to be able to um, have them as my first students. They were very eager and keen and interested in getting their pilot license. And I was uh, 21 at the time. And these are, you know, 17 year old um, teenagers that were interested and excited and 
into getting into uh, flying and and it was still very fresh and new for me and and exciting as well to be able to teach my skill and knowledge to pass it on to them so in in any flying career um, you don't stay in one place for very long you sort of seek out that next step of uh, where your career will take you so um, the next one took me to the prairies so um, just looking to advance my my flying um, experience and hours. Um, I did a road trip out to Saskatoon, dropping off resumes at every little airport along the way and just hoping that someone would uh, be interested in hiring me. So uh, Saskatoon ended up where I uh, was hired next. So that business called Mitchinson Flying Service was um, the place that I was employed next. And um, that was where I met my first sort of female mentor in the flying world. So uh, Janet Keim was my boss and she uh, sort of took me under her wing, as you'd mm-hmm. say, and and uh, gave me that opportunity to advance my, my flying experience and career with her flying school, um, just doing... Um, uh, multi-engine training and and private and commercial training. From there, I got a job at Athabasca Airways. Um, a lot of the names I'll say through this have changed or don't exist anymore just because of the way the industry goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Athabasca Airways was my next sort of step in my career, um, flying uh, small twin-engine airplanes doing um, we call it a bank bag run. It's just flying to smaller airports, yeah, um, picking up bank bags and and information, um, flying it back into the the main city and um, flying up north into more remote areas with nurses and doctors and teachers and and transporting them between uh, remote little towns and villages in the north, and then uh, eventually getting onto a bigger airplane, a turboprop. Uh, twin engine turboprop airplane and um, flying throughout Saskatchewan and Alberta and uh, Manitoba doing that sort of passenger transport type flying and uh, eventually my goal you know it sort of always was that goal of get to a major airline with Air Canada being my absolute first choice of of uh, an airline and um, also to try and get back to Ontario being um, my home so I was uh, moved. I moved back to Ontario in 2000 and was hired by a company called Air Georgian, mm-hmm. and they were a connector, a small connector airline for Air Canada, and they also had a, a cargo division as well. So um, that was my first sort of introduction to what that airline type flying um, would look like, and uh, eventually Air Canada did call and I got an interview in 2006 and uh, I was hired on as a, a first officer there and I've been there ever since. So 15 years, coming up to 15 years at Air Canada. So yeah, it's been a, a, a really fun and interesting journey through um, building my hours and, and experience and um, I'm quite proud of being an Air Canada pilot now having you know, gotten the opportunity to, uh, to work here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so in 15 years, so you got your dream job fairly early on in the game where, well, it's, uh, it, it seems early on, but I was, uh, nine years okay. flying before Air Canada hired me and sort of, uh, an interesting supply and demand, you know, timing, it's very fluid and, 
And uh, there's a lot of pilots in the recent past that have uh, been able to get to Air Canada much quicker just with the pilot shortage and and lots of hiring, lots of retirements happening. But uh, I wouldn't change anything for for any quicker uh, progress to get here. I'm quite happy with having had the experience and lots of fun too along the way and all of the different types of flying jobs I had and people I've met along the way and different places I've been able to live some better than others and uh yeah it's I don't have any regrets well yeah. by looking at you I'm gonna guess that you started college and when you were nine <laughs> no you. you. you've been in that long <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm not I'm not falling for it <laughs> thanks for saying so yeah so uh, yeah. speaking of your graduating class so um, how many were in your graduating class at Seneca, like when you when you finished flight uh, training? And then of that, how many are women? That's always an interesting percentage I liked, I'm curious about. Yeah, it's quite low. So the way that Seneca ran their program, and it's different now, but when I was there in 1994, um, it was a three-year program. And the first year was purely academics. Okay. And you're sort of fighting for a spot to get into the actual flying program. So I think in 1994, they had about 150 students make it in and be accepted for first year. Um, So then you do your academics, lots of um, sort of background in in flying um, type courses. But then there are maths and sciences and electronics, avionics, all those kind of things that we studied. But at the end of the first year, they took the top 33 students in our course. So the rest were um, asked to find somewhere else to to finish their training or so it was it was quite competitive we'll say um 120 people took a year of school and didn't make it yes like that's an investment wow yes it was so out of the 33 that um graduated in 97 um three were females wow yeah yeah that's that's incredible So I, I w- imagine there's not like, how do you make friends in your first year? Cause you're all fighting <laughs> to beat each other out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was lucky, I guess the dormitory that I lived in was an all female residence. So, okay. um, that was, those were my sort of girlfriends and they were my, your my tribe. outlet. Your yes. They were, yes. But I will say, um, when you finish that first year and you become a core group, um, you, really do support each other in the whole journey of getting through that course because it is quite challenging so and we are a small group so it it became quite tight knit which was really nice yeah very supportive a little different in the first year but um yeah it was yeah it was nice so what other uh schools have uh flight colleges like where else can you take a flight program So I know when I was looking at flying schools, three of the main ones in Ontario were um, Seneca College, uh, Sioux College, and Confederation College. It's changed quite a bit in the last uh, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So they've changed the Seneca program from a three-year diploma program to a four-year degree program. Um, A lot of universities and colleges are offering... Um, some sort of aviation program that either is more on the business side of um, aviation or it has a flying component that they are affiliating themselves with uh, a local flying school. Okay. 
So I think there's some in Toronto and uh, Western, I believe, has a program as well. So um, they connect with another uh, a flying school at the local airport to support them in the flying component of that sort of degree. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot more opportunity now for students to yes. do it as opposed yeah. to... And all over, all over Canada. I know Moncton Flying College is a, a very well-known and um, respected uh, college um, but there's there's colleges and there's um, excellent flying schools all over Canada that mm-hmm. offer um, the same it, the training is is very similar everywhere you would go um, it's a Transport Canada regulated um, license so okay. all the testing and, and training would be to a particular standard so uh, yeah that, but I'm just talking about my experience so you know, 20 some years ago, that was how I went through it. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Still, that's great. And so what, yeah. um, if you had to guess, cause I'm, I'm, unless there's actual data about this, uh, what percentage of pilots working pilots now would you say are female? So I did look up that stat because I know what the numbers are at Air Canada, but I wasn't sure across, um, the country what those numbers were. So it's about 5% of airline transport licensed pilots um, are female and funny enough that number is the same for Air Canada so about five percent of the pilots at Air Canada are female so so you're right at the right at the average there (laughs) that's right yeah yeah and then so how did you get involved like again everybody has their story so what was Mm -hmm. your kind of what was your backstory that made you because you went at what you said 17 years old so mm-hmm. you were there uh, so, yep yeah 18 I finished high school so yep starting starting school right in and, that year yeah yeah my interest sort of came from a couple different um, sources so my very first trip on an airplane in seventh grade going to Florida you know going to Disney World <laughs> and uh, I think I was more excited about the airplane rides and if Disney never happened I would have been fine we could have turned around and gone home I would have been okay with that um, so that was that was a thrill that sort of first flying experience was exciting but to come to where I am now and the interest in flying um, I really liked mechanical things my dad was very mechanical he was always in the garage if you wanted to be with dad you know go to the garage that's where you'll find him and just always you know he's building cars and I was interested in machines and mechanical things so that sort of interest in in uh, airplanes and and I was always an aviation enthusiast even though he never got his pilot license Um, you know we were always looking for the next air show you know whether it was Windsor or London and Mm -hmm. and uh, always made sure to get those in every year travel was always something that I was interested in more on a smaller scale with you know car show trips and road trips in the summertime and that sort of thing that was that was my life in the summers was uh road trips and I just love the change of scenery and seeing new places and uh so sort of those combined sort of fueled that interest in flying but I actually never thought of it early on as Mm a career I always thought it oh that that might be a fun hobby or you know to own your own small airplane and just be able to pick up and and fly around and go see neat neat things on your own but um, it is quite expensive to uh, own your own airplane and to have a pilot license and go through the training so when I started um, high school 
I was actually 16 and uh, we had gone to the Windsor air show and my dad, you know, filled out the ballot for a free or an introductory flight. And uh, sure enough, they called and said that he had won. Um, he got the letter in the mail saying, you know, that call and, and book your introdu- introductory flight. And I was, I think, as excited, maybe even more excited than him. <laughs> so, so we went and um, I kind of stole that show so it was more you know I want to be up front I want to fly the airplane dad sit in the back and uh, so that was that's what sealed the deal was that day that flight um, going up with the instructor and being able to take the controls myself and make the airplane you know do what I wanted it to do and what I was being told I didn't know what I was doing but the instructor was you know sort of guiding me along and uh it was absolutely that defining moment that this is what I want to do. And I was 16 years old. So everything, you know, high school wise for courses or a co-op, anything like that was definitely geared to, I will become a pilot someday. (laughs) Yeah. Your dad must be so proud because he was kind of that spark for that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, my mom and dad, absolutely. You know, I, I love this whole mentoring thing of, um, you know, females mentoring females, but uh, anyone um, that you have that can support you in your journey. My parents were hugely supportive. My sister, all of my family were. So it wasn't, uh, I didn't lack in any support at all. That's so. awesome. And I feel like maybe dad's living vicariously through you a little bit too, I bet. Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, so talk about a little bit about your day to day as a pilot. So, you know, where do you normally fly? What are sort of some of the things, you know, from start to finish? So like when you get up and you head to work, I know there's a lot of checklists you have to go through to make sure everything's uh, on point. Can you talk a little bit about that for us and share that? So um, the type of flying that I like uh, to give some family Mm background or something about my personal life so I am married Uh, my wonderful wonderful husband is a pilot as well so we have um, a complicated work life you know to to balance each other's schedules out and um, between us we have four awesome kids so it's a a juggling act of making sure uh, one of us is around and by choice I prefer to be um, a little bit senior for the type of flying that I do. Um, so it's very much a seniority system out of your Canada, how you bid your schedule and your, your flying time. So I like to be home every night and by being senior, I have the benefit of bidding that type of flying. So now after, you know, 15 years at Air Canada, I can get um, some really nice long days. Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, if we have to do 80 hours flying credit in a month, I can do lots of Caribbean flights where I, you know, fly out in the morning early. Um, We're only on the ground 45 minutes, just long enough to, you know, refuel and do our checks and offload some passengers, bring our new passengers on and uh, we head right back home. So it becomes a long day, Mm -hmm. but I leave early and I get home late and then I only have to do, you know, eight or nine days in a month to get that uh, flying credit. So. Yeah. Now I, I can change that over time as uh, the kids get older and and move on. Then if I want to do layovers or 
um, you know, some overseas flying, things like that, um, I can do that. But so that's what my, my home life looks like. Um, I like an early morning to get up and, and get to the airport. And we always check in an hour and 15 minutes before the flight departs. And um, when I get to the flight planning room, I meet up with my captain. I'm a first officer, so I always fly with the captain. And uh, we look at the flight plan that's been given to us and sort of discuss the weather, the routing, you know, whether it's going to be a bumpy day or, or uh, you know, smooth, smooth skies and sort of go through our, our regular paperwork uh, routine. Then we head to the airplane and, and we sort of um, have our set roles that we do. And I tend to do the walk around. So I get to, you know, get outside and have a look, make sure the airplane is, uh, you know, ready to go and, and safe and then we both work together on a, uh, we call it a ramp check. So just making sure all the switches are in the right position, setting the airplane up for um, our flight. And we run through a checklist as we need to once we start the airplane up and uh, push off the gate and, and get going. So uh, it's a real coordinated effort of not just the pilots working together, but it's a full team Um it's much easier with a smaller airplane to sort of take on all the rules on your own. But, um, you know, we have fuelers who we have to make sure are, are fueling the airplane properly and giving us enough fuel for our flight. Uh, we have maintenance that we deal with um, if there's an issue with the airplane uh, to make sure that they're looking after that. We have dispatchers that do our flight planning and sort of monitor weather along the way and, and issues with airports that we might be arriving at. Yeah, lots of support. We have flight attendants that we need to coordinate with and make sure um, we understand what's happening in, in the back of the airplane because we are kind of removed from that mm -hmm. um, uh, directly. So, yeah, it's a it's a real team effort, but it's it's a fun um, job to be able to go somewhere different or the same if I choose all the yeah. time. Yeah, I, re I really love that. Yeah. Just a, it's a interesting challenge every single day. Something is uh, is different, and um, I enjoy that. So yeah. while I, I'm sitting waiting for in cabin service, there is a lot going on behind the scenes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the coolest things about your job? I like to ask that because I know that we do have a lot of um, even high school students that tune in, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so they always want to know what's cool about your job because, you know, you're trying to entice them to go and, and, and choose a career like that. And we want to, you know, we can talk about, there's a lot, they think, Oh, cause there's so much science involved, but what, what are some neat things that you did, what that you've done um, that kind of your, your best stories, if you, if you will. I absolutely love the view from my office. I have <laughs> the best view. <laughs> no one can dispute that. So I would it's, agree. um, I see sunrises and sunsets sometimes in the same day. I see both. Um, I see mountains and valleys and canyons and beaches and turquoise water and volcanoes and massive cities. I, I would say the view, the things that we get to see, that bird's eye view, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had a, a, I had both my maternity leaves. That was what I missed the most is being oh. up in the air, being flying. Like I just absolutely love, that was the longest time I had off. And, and I really miss being able to see our beautiful planet. It's stunning. That, yeah. That's an attest. Cause I'm a big believer. You must love your job. 
and for you to be off of maternity leave and to be thinking about, I wish I was at work. Like, you know, and as much yeah. as I know, no, you I, love your, I know you love your kids and you love to be home with them, but that's, yeah. uh, that's awesome yeah. to hear that. I have um, the best of both. I love going to work, but I love being at home. So lucky uh, me. You are yeah. very lucky. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so um, can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned that um, you're a first officer, so you always have a captain. Can you talk about the ranks of pilots? Because I know mm-hmm. like, you know, we talked, when we talked in policing, like learning chief and then, you know, superintendents, inspectors, what's the difference? So can you kind of talk about the ranks of that? I'm just For curious. sure. And I think. And your um, some, too. Right. So. <laughs> Some of the the old terms that were used was uh, pilot and co-pilot. So uh, a captain is what the the um, pilot in charge is. Now that's the title, and it would be four stripes. So a first officer, which is now um, the role of co-pilot, is first officer um, would have three stripes. Okay. And um, we also have another role at Air Canada, and it's a relief pilot. Um, but those are either first officers or captains. And um, so they would be, they're fully licensed and trained um, pilots as well. But they, in effect, are relieving pilots on longer flights um, in the cruise portion only. So, uh, for example, my husband does a lot of um, overseas flying. So when you're going to Asia and you've got uh, quite a long flight ahead of you, they will crew it with four pilots, where on my flights, uh, we only ever have two. Um, the airplane isn't equipped to allow for um, additional pilots for the relief uh, requirement. Okay. So yeah, that's so that's sort of the the uh, terminology we use now for our ranking. And once you're at Air Canada, you basically you have enough experience and knowledge to fulfill any role. So then it's just um, whichever airplane that you happen to be flying, if you choose to be senior like me, a first officer position tends to give me more seniority on a more junior airplane. Whereas if I wanted to be um, in a captain position, I could hold that position. I just, I choose not to for my personal life right now, my family life. So it's a it's not always that you're not qualified. It's that you've made a choice to stay in one position or another. So I do hope to do my, my captain upgrade at some point, but I've been captain on other airplanes at um, uh, other airlines uh, at Air Georgian. I was a captain on a beach 1900. So it's sort of a, a just a funny ranking depending on um, the type of airplane that you're on, your experience level, um, seniority. So it's a whole mix of things that come into play with that. Do you tend to fly the same type of plane all the time? Like, is like, like specialize in one plane over another? That's right. So um, I fly the Airbus 320, but at Air Canada, we have the Airbus 319, the 320 and the 321, which are uh, common type rating. So um, when we're trained, we're now able to fly all three of those aircraft. They're also very similar that um, I never know which I'll get. Uh, you know, we show up and we get our flight plan and it shows us uh, what aircraft we're flying for the day. Okay. And uh, it could be any of those three. So if I wanted to fly the Boeing 777, uh, that's what my husband flies, then I would have to train on that airplane. Um, and so we don't we don't mix. They They sort of want you 
really knowing the aircraft that you're flying and staying current and, and uh, proficient at that one aircraft. They're very, uh, there's a lot to know and, and uh, they're complex machines. So they want us to, to sort of be the best in, at, at the one that we're flying. Yeah. So like we talk about like a family physician knows something about everything, but then there's like a cardiologist. So one will be a cardiologist, one's a endocrinologist, and one's a neurologist. Yeah. So you're basically specializing in that. So you're That's the best right. of the best at that particular area. Okay. Yeah. And the, awesome. the training is fantastic. So, you know, if I do decide to switch airplanes, I sort of have to let go of of what I've known about the Airbus 320 um, and then, you know, bring on this new knowledge of a, another airplane. There's, there's lots of similarities um, in how they run, but yeah, you would, you would have to have a, a different type rating to fly a, uh, another aircraft at Air Canada. And so your training program, I imagine there's a lot of, you guys are probably continuously updated on, you know, new things all the time. Yeah, that's right. So our um, sort of schedule of training, uh, we're in the simulator every four months, and it's kind of a rotation between training events and evaluation events so mm-hmm. that they they make sure that we're always keeping current and keeping uh, things, you know, in mind. And, and um, it's been really hard with COVID because our flying has been reduced so much um, with the travel restrictions. There's very... Actually, I don't think there's any Caribbean flights happening at the moment. Um, very little flights um, in the U.S., which I would do quite a bit of too. So it's it's just right now just trying to stay current. And yeah, that's a challenge right now. That for sure. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, any uh, like interesting situations you've been a part of? I know there's probably lots and lots of stories to choose from, but any uh, kind of career-defining moments or, you know, things that stand um, out to you? Yeah. So there's, there's always something going on because we're dealing with machines, aircraft, it's, it's complex machinery. So, you know, there's things that we're dealing with, um, with that all the time. Uh, we're dealing with passenger issues as well. Um, whether it's a, a medical issue in the back or, um, you know, we've had disruptive passengers, um, to deal with. So, there's, it seems to be something each day and not to make it sound like it's, um, it's, there's always something wrong. We have lots of people on board the aircraft that it's not (laughs) uncommon to have someone not feeling well and then having to make a decision. Do we press on and, and, um, carry on to our destination? Do we stop short somewhere and, and get them medical attention? But in everything that we do, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, malfunctions uh, with aircraft systems or it's uh, medical issues with passengers or different things, we have a huge support system to draw on all these different resources to get the airplane or passengers, um, you know, home safely. And, you know, we don't make those decisions always on our own. We're drawing from all the information that we have at our fingertips. Um, uh, the medical emergency um, tends to be something where we uh, reach out to a medical service through the uh, radio system and we can actually speak with a doctor directly and get guidance on what they think we should do and and where they think we should go. And, you know, they don't want us landing in a remote airport that might it might be suitable for landing, but maybe there isn't the resource there for uh, medical care that our passenger may need. So it's um, 
not to like pull on a specific um, story of experience, but there's lots of things that happen in this job where it keeps it interesting. It keeps you thinking and, mm-hmm. and uh, using all the, the resources that you have to make decisions and, and the two pilots working together, you know, even though it's a, a captain who's ultimately making a decision, it's a real team effort to to pull in all your knowledge and previous experience. That's one thing that um, we train a lot is we look at situations or incidents that have happened either in other airlines or around the world or um, even within our own company to learn what worked well, what didn't work well, how could we do it better and, and uh, allow that to help in our training and building our own knowledge as we sort of move forward. So, and that's a lot of pressure because how many people are typically on uh, that size plane that you're running? So the 320s, uh, not quite 150 passengers. Okay. Uh, 320s, so, a little bit bigger. So someone has a medical issue and you're deciding whether you're not landing, you have 150 really ticked off people that they're going to miss their vacation or miss their business trip, whatever it is. So that's a lot, a lot of pressure. And I I guess you would need a team to make a decision like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's always about safety. So we're not, we're not always concerned about um, someone's uh, displeasure that we've had to, you know, return to land. So it's, it's definitely, um, uh, it's always about safety and I'm in the airplane too. So, I want yeah. that airplane on the ground as safe as possible as does everyone else. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. And you, and that's where you rely on your team. And again, why teamwork is so important because your flight attendants are having to deal with that firsthand. That's right. You know, as offering yeah. almost like, you know, the, they're like bouncers almost at some point. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. you need them to make sure like it's everybody maintaining that safety. So, yeah. So that, that's, uh, that's great. You don't think about those little pressures as things are happening. Cause we might not mm-hmm. even know sitting in the cabin, yeah. what's going on. We haven't had a clue that yeah. somebody is sick or yeah. whatever. Right. So yeah. And same with maintenance, you know, there, there can be delays, uh, for maintenance or for weather, or, you know, we're waiting for a, uh, a line of thunderstorms to to move through before we take off there's a there's a lot of things that are happening where we can pass on a little bit of information but uh, there's there's a lot going on in our decision making and and uh, it always has to do with how can we make this um, safe and still be you know on time if we can and and all the other pressures I guess as For you sure. said and, and I'm always have been a good flyer. Flying doesn't bother me. My mother was scared to death of flying. And anyway, I've, I enjoy flying. I like that moment when I get on the plane and they serve your first drink. That's like my whole vacation is in front of me. And that's like my happy place. It's that's almost great. better than the vacation itself sometimes. So that's but great. now again, and I'm pretty good with that, but you see people get so upset and it's like, you have to have respect for everything that is going on behind the scenes that people don't realize they're very, and everybody's mm-hmm. all about how, what's affecting them. It's like, no, yeah. there's way more to this puzzle than, than yeah. ECI. So yeah. that's great. That's right. Yeah. So on that note of the, you know, dealing with stress and all the pressures and decisions that you have to make, how do you, and I always like to ask this, how do you maintain a work-life balance? So I know that you, you talked about the fact that you're, you're, uh, you can put your days together. So you will have a lot of actually time, family time. Uh, so mm-hmm. how do you spend that? What do you do for self-care, hobbies, things like that to keep yourself not getting overwhelmed? 
Yes. Um, I love the outdoors. Um, definitely it's a draw, hiking, biking, kayaking, camping, anything that can take me outdoors is, is, uh, that's good for my soul. It's good for my stress level. I love spending time with my family. So they're usually out there with me. (laughs) We sit a lot in our job. Um, in a day, if I'm doing a Barbados flight, for example, I am sitting for probably 11 plus hours in a day you know I we get up and we stretch and you know take a short break but um, I'm back in the seat and and uh, that's not always best for physical health so um, definitely keeping fit and active to to keep my body healthy and uh, the the time off you know making sure I'm sleeping well and and uh so exercise and the outdoors and those sort of things, they, they've always helped. I don't do overseas flying um, right now. It doesn't work with my home life. So I'm able to usually stay in my time zone, which is um, quite nice. Now, when I do um, the odd layover, it's, you know, I'm really only three, four hours time zone out. So it's not that challenging to bounce back from that um where i know uh, for overseas flying uh when dave comes home it's it's a it's a full day of him sort of getting that fog um out and then coming back to us and the nice (laughs) part is that you have the patience for that because you know what he's going i i totally get it yes yeah you need a nap go take a nap yeah that's right yeah um and you you mentioned a little bit earlier about uh you had a mentor at one of your uh first positions um that was a female pilot um has there any been anyone else along the path that has has mentored you or that you you know have looked up to and or has given you guidance along the way well, definitely my parents. That was a, a huge support right from the start. There was never any um, question that um, I had their their support and backing. Um, I had great teachers in high school. Uh, physics teacher, Mr. Mascaro, he was always very um, excited about my excitement about getting into flying. And um, uh, that, was, that was nice to have because I was young and I was sort of influenced by I wanted I wanted to know that someone else you know thought I could do this and and to have a teacher sort of back me on that that was really great Um, and then out um, in college all the instructors were fantastic I I never really had um, like in this mentoring which I I love that you are um, running this program because I think it would have helped to see another female pilot, airline pilot, just to see it can be done and to not, I don't, I don't know that I ever really thought about how complicated it might be um, having it all, having family life and having a career. Um, but it's, it sure is a, a great opportunity now for me to, to speak to that for other young women and to not, be intimidated by um, a, a male-dominated field. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. There's there's really no reason. I can't think of any reason. I never, it never intimidated me getting involved um, in flying in, in a male-dominated field. It has its challenges, but it it never was enough that I didn't want it anymore. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I saw you, the, my initial um, exposure was seeing you on a, a panel, a STEM panel at the University of Windsor's WinHacks. And uh, we were involved uh, with that as well. So I saw you um, on that STEM panel and, and basically reached out to Joanne to say, I need her because I think that was such a great thing. And so I know that you are, um, you do a lot of these kind of things uh, and that whole giving back piece. Do you mentor anyone directly? Any? Um, no, I know, but I would be happy to if anyone, you know, sort of needed a little bit of direction and, and getting into flying. I'm, I'm really happy to do it. I have both Dave and I have um, sort of mentored uh, a young pilot. Um, he's finished his commercial flying and he's, he's getting into um, looking at building his hours for his career. And it's kind of a hard time right now with COVID, but um, that felt really good to, to be able to, um, give him some tips and tricks and ideas and just like, uh, just support. And, and sometimes that's all you really need. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it was there for me in different ways and, and I'm hoping that this can help too. And again, that's the, always that piece. If I knew then what I know now, and that's what mentorship is all about sharing the, sharing that with, uh, with people so they don't have to go through the trials and tribulations. You're still going to have to, but that's I mean, right. you can kind of make that yeah. easier and, and make that pathway a little bit. Yeah. And, and there are no handouts. So you have to work hard for what you want. And it doesn't matter what field um, you choose to go into. Um, it's a lot of work and it's worth it because in the end, when you do have that success, because you, you know, you stuck through it and um, I have, this was on my, my wall in my dorm room and residence be the frog yeah because awesome. that frog that frog right there <laughs> yeah and I tell my kids that too I'm like be the frog are there yeah. any um if you had to kind of list the pros and cons so um as a career as a pilot advantages disadvantages um lots of advantages yeah. um I would say from what I see of um, other careers, I never go home with homework. I don't have emails um, that I have to respond to. I don't have work piling up. When I go on vacation, no one knows I'm even gone. I show back up for work when I come back and it's like I never left. That's so um, nice. Absolutely <laughs> the best. That is, uh, if I had to say number one advantage, um, that's it. When I, I go to work prepared, and I come home and I, I don't have anything else to do. I, I prepare for my Sims. I stay current with my, my knowledge. But other than that, I, I don't have anything pulling me away from my, ha my family when I am away from work. So number one advantage. Um, I love the travel. I love being able to travel for work. I love being able to travel for pleasure. Um, that is definitely another perk of this job. It's um, it's great. Disadvantages, um, the hours can be long. Um, you could be away for days at a time uh, from your family. But I also know there's lots of other um, jobs that can do the same. You know, there's, I, I take lots of business people um, all over the place and they're gone for days at a time too. So it's, it's not unheard of in other careers. Right. So yeah. And shift work. There's, there's plenty of people that work you know, 12, 14 hour days shift work. And, um, so 
and sitting long periods, as you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah. And there are lots of office jobs where you're, you're sitting for hours on end. And, um, again, my, my office has a really good view. Yours is way better, way cooler. <laughs> office, way, way cooler. Um, so, um, and I always like this as a summary. So what are any last bits of advice that you would like to, uh, pass on to our uh, St. Clair College STEM club members or um, even any young high school students that we might have listening. So mm-hmm. those things that you would tell your 19-year-old self just starting out in a in college. I just think the perseverance is, is important because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of work and even things that you may not be really good at, if you work hard enough at, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, have this little quote because it I think if I had said this or heard this I don't maybe I wouldn't have believed myself when I was 19 but that Winnie the Pooh quote the you're braver than you believe stronger than you seem and Mm -hmm. smarter than you think we really are and um, if you're interested in something and and there's a field that seems a bit intimidating give it a try if it doesn't work out what have you lost? And, and if it does work out, like, look what you've gained Mm -hmm. and you could have the career of your dreams. Like I do. And I'm so grateful. I had all the opportunities. We live in a country that allows us opportunities to do anything you want. So go do that thing and then have a great life. Well, even look at you in your first year of school competing in with 150 different people that could be all those people that didn't get in could have been what a wasted year, but it's not. I'm sure the things that they went on to be, you know, you learn something, you're always learning something. And many, I, I've, I meet so many people who have talked about, and you say, Oh, you got through Seneca and Oh, but then I went to Sioux college. Well, then they did that program and they got through, or they went to a private flying school and it was just, it was a a determination that they had and they, they made it through Mm -hmm. and, but those are the kind of pilots that I want. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> I think yeah. you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I usually finish off with some just uh, four or five little rapid fire kind of lighthearted questions for you to answer. So they're kind of sure. yes or no easy answers. I hope easy answers. Um, how many photos are on your phone right now? Oh, like in your recent. Because you probably have some from your office window. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I do. I have sunset pictures that are, yeah, I have so many. Because mine are only from this little tiny window out the side of the plane. I don't get to see what you get. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have um, 14,598 photos. Oh, that's just from this yeah. last one? <laughs> yeah. The, oh, and my flying picks, just my flying picks album. Yeah, there's, there's over 500. Wow. Okay. Next question. Can you play a musical instrument? Yes, two. What do you play? <laughs> I was a band geek in high school. Um, I play clarinet and trombone. Not anymore, but I did. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Name one thing that you always carry with you. Chapstick. Addict, I'm kind of the same. Are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. Dog. And lastly, what is your favorite dessert? Oh, cheesecake. Cheesecake. Made by my hubby Dave. Oh, yeah. he makes okay. Shout awesome out, cheesecake. shout out. There. We'll need a sampler just to make yeah. sure, just to see how that is. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much. On that note, um, I just wanted to thank everyone for attending tonight. 
And again, a special thank you to you, Laura. Thanks, Sue. Thank you for tuning in to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series podcast, highlighting women trailblazers who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments. If you're a St. Clair College student who would like more information on the Women in STEM Club, or you're a woman working in STEM or a leader in your field and are interested in being featured on our podcast or acting as a mentor for one of the incredible young women in our STEM Club, you can email us at stem at stclaircollege.ca to sign up. Be sure to connect with us on social media at St. Clair Genesis. For more information on the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center, or for details on our workshops and entrepreneurial resources, you can visit our website at www.stclaircollege.ca slash genesis. If you'd like this episode, please make sure to let us know by leaving a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting St. Clair College, the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center, and women in STEM. Until next time.